Welcome to Dear Prudence. I'm your Prudence, Janae Desmond Harris. Today we'll be discussing letters about persistent friend requests from colleagues, allegations of white supremacy surrounding graduation attire, and what to do when your biggest relationship issue is cat litter in the bed, which is a pretty big issue. Here to help me out is Slate's own Joel Anderson, also known as my husband. He's the host of the latest Slow Burn season on Clarence Thomas, as well as seasons three and six. You may have also heard him on Hang Up and Listen. Normally, he just joins me to answer an extra question only for members on our Slate Plus segments, but um, he's here today for the whole show. Welcome, Joel. Nobody uh, has to pay me for these hours. (laughs) I mean, he basically can't professionally or personally say no when we need him to come on. Also, he's got the bad mic and the bad stool in our office. There's no back to this, so I'm really playing hurt today, but uh, anything for my baby. Thanks. I appreciate it. So go ahead and give us your piece of unsolicited advice. Keep so, it clean. Are you, wait, are you saying that because I've cursed in some other segments? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's for the plus list. Okay. You get that. Anyway, unsolicited advice is do not give unsolicited advice. Mm. I think that, and I don't know if anybody else has given that. I listened to every episode. Yeah. I haven't heard anybody say no. it. But um, I just kind of think that if nobody is asking you for advice, you should take that as a sign um, that either, you know, the people in your life aren't close enough to you to ask you these questions. Or they don't think you have good judgment. Or they don't think you have good judgment. Or it's like, hey, look, I didn't ask you for this. You know, why are you bringing this to my front door? And I don't want to do that to people. I want people to be. So if people do want to ask me for advice, and sometimes people do come to me for advice, great. But I'm not just going to do it unprompted. You got to come and ask. You know, I thought your advice was going to be don't be too familiar. Oh, that's another one. I think that actually ties together. And these both of them stem from you being annoyed by people who talk to you. It's annoying when people presume that they know me or know what I'm thinking or what mm-hmm. my intentions are. That is always going to set me off. And so, yeah, it kind of does come from the same Yeah, because being too familiar leads to thinking someone might want your advice. Yeah, or I might talk to you about, you know, that you think that these uh, these issues or whatever are okay to talk about with me. Like, no, I don't know you like that. Like, stay in your lane. Okay. Anyway, with that, um, Dole and I will dive into your questions after a short break. Can't get enough Dear Prudence? Then you should definitely join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. You'll get to hear me answer an extra question every week just for members. With your subscription, you get ad-free listening across the Slate network and unlimited reading on the Slate site, including all Dear Prudence columns, past and present. Go to slate.com forward slash Plus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. Again, that's slate.com forward slash prudy plus. Welcome back. You're listening to Dear Prudence, and I'm here with Slate's own Joel Anderson. Let's go ahead and get started with our first letter, which is titled Friend Request Overload. I, a 35 year old woman, don't want to engage with my coworker, a woman in her 40s, on social media, and she won't take the hint. I am a relatively private person and prefer to keep my accounts visible only to friends and family. I typically only accept requests from coworkers that I have spent time with outside of work and have never run into any issues with this personal policy. Enter my coworker, Amanda. Amanda is several levels my senior and leads the legal department at our company. She has a reputation for being unprofessional and neglecting her work, which has led to repeated unsafe and stressful situations, especially at the height of the pandemic. 
pandemic. When I first joined the company six years ago, I received repeated friend requests from her on multiple platforms that I declined. And after a few weeks, the requests stopped coming. Six months ago, they began again. I also started getting requests from a cat. And after the third request, I checked with another coworker who confirmed it was an account Amanda runs for her cat. We've emailed maybe three times in the last four years and never met in person. I prefer to keep our relationship exclusively work-related, but I'm afraid that after 15-plus repeated friend requests, simply blocking her will escalate the situation. We don't have any sort of social media policy at work, I checked, so it's not a job requirement that she be able to review my posts. Any advice on how to get these friend requests out of my notifications? This feels very 2013, Mm. 2012 to me, or somewhere around that time when everyone was friends with everyone on social media. We're not living in that time anymore. Don't you feel like people have kind of pulled back, especially with like Instagram? Like you don't have to be connected with all of your colleagues and all your high school friends and everyone you've ever met. I think that if this letter had come in 2013, Mm -hmm. I would definitely uh, feel personally attacked. Because yeah, uh, like uh, all of us were Amanda at one point, mm-hmm. right? Like, and certainly when Facebook first came out in two thousand eight, or at least for me, I, yeah, two thousand eight, you had to friend all these people. Yeah, like, how was we supposed to have friends? How was we supposed to interact? And if you liked someone, you friended them, even if you didn't know them. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, you'd be friending old college classmates that you wish you had known that you never did, or mm-hmm. like a coworker that you actually never say anything to, but they're your coworker, and we have this obligation. But yeah, we're not in that time anymore. So Amanda is being weird. What do you think she wants? It could be that she's living by that same antiquated social media approach. Like, yeah. don't, don't, we can't overlook the idea that this is a middle-aged person who's not up to date on like what proper social protocol is. Man, we're middle-aged. We're just about middle-aged. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we, we could, and we might have these blind spots too somewhere else that we don't know about. This is why when I joined TikTok and it had that thing that was like, follow all your Facebook friends or let them follow you. I just said no to it because I just didn't want to make a mistake. You know, we don't have to read any ill uh, intent into what Amanda's doing here, but for the fact that she's doing this weird cat go around. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You know, you want to like give them the benefit of the doubt, reserve your judgment. And then you're like, Oh no, you're full blown weirdo. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be clear, it's fine to have a cat account. But to use it for, like, backup after your personal account fails is really funny to I, me. I had a, a former coworker like that who kept trying to friend me on social media accounts, like, change their name. What? A- avatar. This is after, like, a long time ago. They were trying to find out information about my personal life. Oh. They were trying, you know, <laughs> they worked with me in one context and there was that context no longer existed. <laughs> so I could tell they were trying to get information. And eventually I... I held them at bay for years and I finally gave up. But like that person is a weirdo, right? Right. And I, I thought of them in that way. So it's good that this letter writer has identified this is inappropriate work behavior. I think I might go ahead and accept and put them on. Remember how there's like a limited profile? Like there are different settings where people just basically can't see anything. Well, I mean, I hear that. I also think you can do that. And that's probably the more sophisticated way to handle things. But the way that you can do this letter writer is to just ignore it. Say nothing about it. Never accept it. Don't block it. And then just let it be there. And then if she's crazy enough to come to you <laughs> and say, hey, look, you're not accepting my cat friend request. Well, then, I mean, then you've got a, a workplace <laughs> issue that you can go to HR with. Oh, no, that's probably in the handbook. Harassment about not accepting requests, um, even if there isn't a specific social media policy. So, yeah, I think that 
I think the way to deal with this emotionally is just to kind of remember that you're not the weirdo here. Mm. You've done nothing wrong. Like, just kind of let Amanda and her cat just spin their wheels um, and keep doing what they're doing. And it, it actually doesn't have to be your problem. I think, yeah, I, I would not accept because you know what she's going to do mm-hmm. if you do accept that <laughs> that cat is going to be liking posts from 10 years ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and making comments and stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, also, what is the strategy here? Like, so I follow this cat. Does the cat have any content? Are there any pictures? Oh, I'm sure there's lots. Okay. Well, anyway, maybe she should friend her just so we can know what this cat profile is like. I mean, I actually want to see what's on Amanda's profile now, but I respect the coworker for not wanting it. So continue to ignore. Just ignore. Don't worry about it. Repeat to yourself. I'm not the weirdo. Amanda is the weirdo. And the cat's actually innocent. So our next question is titled, if you say earplugs, I'll scream. We live in a great, quiet neighborhood most of the time. Unfortunately, when our neighbor's college-aged kids are home for the summer, they have frequent loud parties in their backyard, often lasting until 1 or 2 a.m., even on weeknights. We've spoken to the parents multiple times, but not much has changed. If we text the parents, who are often out of town when this happens, the kids will turn off the music at 10 p.m., consistent with local noise ordinances, but continue drinking and playing backyard games with plenty of drunken shouts, cheers, and the occasional fight. We shut our windows, which helps, but it's been really hot here. So our choice is noise reduction or sweltering, neither of which is conducive to sleep. They're also just kind of gross. For example, they greet each other as, quote, my N-word, even though they are privileged white suburbanites. And I've heard some really unpleasant comments directed at the women at these gatherings. Honestly, I've reached a level of animus where I start seething as soon as I hear their horrible music start. How can I de-escalate this situation? So I saw the one note you made in the Google Doc on this. It said, call the police. Yeah, call the police. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so funny because I feel like everyone has been on this thing for a long time of you're not supposed to call the police because anything could happen. There could be someone vulnerable there. God forbid there's a black person there. God forbid the police think they see a gun or they make up a threat or they plant drugs on someone. Like you could ruin lives and... Police are generally not great at solving problems, but... It didn't seem like any of that is present here. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, they've got people that uh, are using the N-word. You know, you you said it. They're privileged white suburbanites. I get the feeling that the police service that they're going to get is going to be very different from the police service we would get. Right. So, it doesn't matter if the police show up at their house. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, you don't like these people. If something bad went down... Let me just give you permission to feel like no blame if anything goes down. It's whatever happens is on them. You know, I will say first, and I, the only reason I'm thinking of this is because I had um, a question where I crowdsourced the answer that was about like kids making neighborhood noise. And I hadn't thought of this until someone suggested it, but the letter writer could actually talk to the loud people instead of their parents. Like, I think it's worth the step of being like, hey, kids. Mm. Can you keep it down? Can you actually go inside at 1 a.m.? Like, Mm. here, like, I'm reading that I've texted the parents who are often out of town, but I'm not seeing anything where the letter writer has talked to the kids. You know, I kind of understand not wanting to confront a couple of young men. And they're probably drunk. They're probably drunk. I mean, that's just not a confrontation you want to have. Have you ever knocked on somebody's Absolutely not. Let me get right. (laughs) Why don't you make them do that? Absolutely not. No, I mean, you talk to somebody at the house. 
you talk presumably the owner. They're the person that's going to, you know, bear responsibility no matter what anyway, right? Like if they get cited by the police or whatever. So it's their responsibility to police their home, so to speak. And so, yeah, like I'm, I wouldn't do it. Just to be transparent, I feel like we don't care what happens to them because they're calling each other my N-word. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a huge part. It just of it. Makes- I'm not even trying to hide it. Like I mean, I, I told you, they get whatever they get. <laughs> when the police show up, they'll find out. They'll find out how re- how real of the words they are <laughs> based on the, res- the police response. And just as a final note, I mean, the sign off was kind of aggressive here. If you say earplugs, I'll scream. There's a reason we're always suggesting earplugs. Like they work pretty well. Just consider that as an extra layer of protection. They have really good earplugs these days. Letter writer, I understand what you're talking about. Earplugs are sort of annoying and hard to sleep in. Janae can do that and she's very comfortable with it, but I'm not a person that can do that. I don't want nothing in my ears when I go to sleep. You have to make sure they're the right size and a good fit for your uh, ear canal. Okay, well, anyway, uh, just think about it. Don't scream. She said Sorry, she didn't want to hear it and you did it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. You're listening to The Dear Prudence Show, and when we come back, we'll be reading more of your letters. Stay with us. Welcome back to Dear Prudence. I'm here with my guest, Slate's own Joel Anderson, to answer your letters. This letter is titled, Feline Stepdad. I'm a 37-year-old man dating a 38-year-old woman, Mina. She's amazing, adorable, intelligent, fun, generous. One of my favorite things about her is her huge heart for animals. She's been a vegetarian for over a decade and a half, volunteers with animal shelters, and is the most diligent and loving pet owner imaginable. Since her very beloved dog died in February 2021, Mina's only pet has been her ancient 17-year-old cat named Pistachio. Pistachio has been with Mina since she was only weeks old. Pistachio enjoys shockingly good health, part luck, and part Mina's consistent care. Especially since her dog's death, Mina has embraced a philosophy with Pistachio that boils down to, Pistachio does what she wants. If she wants a sleeping spot or a particular food, she gets it. Since that's 90% of what the old cat does, this is far from an imposition on anyone. We're talking about a barely seven-pound cat here, not an untrained Great Dane. There's only one problem, Pistachio's talons of death. A while back, Pistachio decided she wasn't having her claws trimmed anymore, fighting and screaming when it was attempted. And since she's fairly sedentary, she's not doing anything to wear them down naturally. Mina and the cat's vet are both unconcerned about the untrimmed claws affecting her health, so we're letting her do her thing. This is a sweet, placid animal, so intentional scratches aren't the problem. Accidental ones, though not uncommon, aren't really either. It's cat litter. It's everywhere. Mina sweeps and mops her apartment far more than she should need to, and that's not the worst. It's the bed. Pistachio tracks cat litter there every day. Mina changes the sheets a few times a week, so we're not talking about absolute filth here. But when I stay at Mina's, we can go to bed on pristine sheets, and I'll wake up lying in a small pile of litter pistachio has trailed into the bed in her efforts to snuggle Mina. It's pretty gross. I don't know what to do here. I just want to start by saying that he clearly loves Mina and is being really thoughtful about this. I'm not a pet person, 
you're not a pet person. But I get the impression that having a pet involves, out of love, dealing with a certain amount of dirtiness and inconvenience. Mm -hmm. And you're just not going to eliminate those things completely. It's just like having a child, you know? You have a baby, you're going to smell poop. You have a cat, there's going to be some litter around. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it has to be, like, that drastic. Like, I mean, there's ways to sort of limit the filth quotient here. Uh, I haven't had to live with a dog before, but it... The thing that I can't see from their letter is, would it mean to say when you were like, hey, you know, I woke up and I'm sorry, kitty litter, whatever that is, you know, would it, would it, would it mean, a, how did it mean a response? She was probably like, oh, oh no. And she probably just brushed it and off that's, onto the that's floor. That's why she started changing sheets every couple of days. Yeah. I don't think like, okay, let's say the cat does this every day. Changing the sheets every couple of days doesn't really seem. It's not going to help. Up, that's not keeping up. Because every night when you get in bed, the cat right. is peeing in the litter box, getting litter on its paws. Yeah. bringing the pee litter in the bed. Yeah, he can go back to his place, you know, until this resolves. Or just stay, but come on, Joel. A, a, a stay a few nights and then go home. You know, come up with an excuse that's not a sort of a white lie, but not just like, oh, you know, I got something to do or, you know, I got a real thing at work. Let me stay over here. That's not sustained. This is his This the is his partner. is not going to live forever. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like this is not going to be a long issue. I, Joel, I don't think your plan is a good one. Just spending less time together, the relationship it, will never nice. progress. It's just nice. You just be all right after dinner. You know, it's like okay. I mean, I do think the idea that she can't leave because she could come back and the cat could be dead is like not super healthy. Yeah, like that's probably not a great way to go about living your life, right? There are practical answers to this. I did go ahead and ask on Twitter, so look for my tweet that includes the word cat litter. And there's plenty of responses involving like different litter, like basically um, doormats that you put outside the litter box, things that cats can scratch on to kind of like get the litter out of their claws. Basically, like you need to go to the pet internet for solutions here. And there are many. I think the idea is to let Mina know how much this is bothering you. I don't think Mina knows that it really needs to be addressed at this point. She thinks she has it handled. There are some practical solutions here and look into them together after a conversation that starts with how you just, you really do not want to wake up to like pee, pee, sand, whatever litter is in your face anymore. So you don't know either. You know, it's basically sand. This is Dear Prudence. And when we come back, more letters from you and hopefully some helpful advice. Stay tuned. I'm Janae, and you're listening to Dear Prudence. Joel and I are about to tackle our last question for the day. Joel, are you ready? I am ready. Okay. He's yeah. been complaining that I didn't ask him if he was ready it's for the other questions. The other guests get a little bit more, you know, deferential treatment and stuff like that. We didn't even talk about my career or anything. We can mention it at the bottom. Okay. Okay. Uh, this letter is titled Italian and Proud in Indiana. A few months ago, I attended my daughter's college graduation. When I was purchasing regalia for her, I noticed the college bookstore selling stoles adorned with the Italian flag. Seeing as our family has ties to Italy, my grandfather immigrated from Brendenzi, I purchased one for her to wear during her commencement. However, at the ceremony, I was shocked to see her walk across the stage without an Italian stole. When I confronted her afterwards, asking if she misplaced it, she snapped at me, saying it was stupid and cringe and that she would have been embarrassed to be seen in it. Prudy, I don't think our heritage is stupid or cringe. I told her as much, and she barked back, saying if she wore it, all her friends would think she was a white supremacist. I never thought I'd have to say this, Prudy, but there's nothing wrong with being Italian. I can't believe I paid so much tuition to her so-called 
elite university, and they couldn't be bothered to teach her about Sacco and Vinzetti. I tried to explain why she should respect her heritage, although may have lost my temper in front of some of her classmates, but she refused to act reasonably and hasn't spoken to me in months. Prudy, how can I get my daughter to apologize for disrespecting her ancestry? Excuse me, sir, was that letter meant for Newsmax? <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Safe to say this letter writer has a big problem with wokeness. Yeah, I mean, wow. Um, and also safe to say there's a lot more going on here than a stole. Just the absurdity of thinking, oh, how can I make my daughter apologize for me being an asshole? Right. <laughs> right. Can you correct this, please? Can you, can, you, can you intercede on my behalf? Like, see, I, my daughter had this really big day and I tried to force something on her that she showed no interest in previously. But for some reason, one of the biggest days of her life, I tried to force this on her. She predictably... Put, set it to the side, was kind enough to not say anything about it, and then you confronted her about right. it. Um, I'm sorry. And then she took the opportunity to insult you with, like, the white supremacist allegation. <laughs> no, like, to be clear, don't email me. Wearing an Italian soul is not white supremacist, but the daughter's allegation came from somewhere. Maybe time for a little introspection about like what's really bothering you about this situation and the world at large, maybe our changing society. I do think wearing the flag of your white ethnic group um, or pushing that on someone is kind of giving like, why isn't there white history month vibes? Yeah, you're giving the game away. And also why now for that kind of a display previously, had you not noticed that, that you had not discussed much about your Italian heritage and you'd not tried to like put a little flag in a room or, you know, just whatever, just, there's other ways that you could have engaged in this before that day, and you chose not to. So it makes me suspicious as to why you wanted her to make this statement on that f- and that form. You know what I think happened? Mm. I think he saw a black graduate walking around campus with like a kente cloth stole oh, yeah, and said, oh, yeah. Kind of yeah. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> why can they have that? And we can't. And he went right to the stole store and got the Italian one. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, I don't know, man. Let's just say this person is not a racist, right? And okay. And is not, you know, trying to, uh, he just simply wanted his daughter to acknowledge his heritage, right? Well, this is the problem of being a bad gift giver then. Mm. If you were really trying to do something nice, touching to connect with your daughter on this big day, why not ask her what she wants? Right. Maybe it was why a nice piece of jewelry, yeah. like lovely diamond studs. Why didn't you know prior to this that that might happen? He didn't yeah. care at all. Yeah. So, I mean, you're a bad gift giver, but also like you have a much deeper problem here, my brother. And it, my Italian brother, and it just seems like <laughs> you might want to do your part to, you know, bridge this gap, drop the ridiculous demand for an apology and apologize yourself. Acting as if this came from like a pure place. Um, and he really wanted to connect with her and give her a meaningful gift and like honor their shared heritage. And this is my like generous, productive suggestion. Here's the script. I'm sorry I was pushy about what you were for graduation. When you rejected the Italian soul, I couldn't help but feel like you were rejecting a part of me. That's why I became emotional. I apologize. I know you're an adult now. You decide for yourself what you wear. Can we have a reset? Then, if it's true that you authentically care so much about your Italian heritage and you want to share that with her, offer something that she might like, a cooking mm-hmm. class, a trip to Italy maybe, something where she gets something enjoyable out of it and something is served besides your ego. If you wanted to inspire some Italian pride in her, like taking her to Italy, doing something, or, you know, we could do something less, you know, go to Little Italy in New York, mm-hmm. or, you know, frequent that neighborhood or whatever. Like there's ways you could have done this 
without just trying to foist it on her in this really big moment that you've now ruined. That's it for this week. Thanks to Joel, who again, didn't have much of a choice about being here, but we appreciate it. I like doing it. So my pleasure. If you'd like to hear Joel and I answer more letters together, you should definitely join Slate Plus, Slate's membership program. The two of us answer an extra question every week just for members. Go to slate.com forward slash prudy plus to sign up. It's just $15 for your first three months. Again, that's slate.com forward slash prudy plus. Do you need help getting on with partners, relatives, coworkers, and people in general? Write to me. Go to slate.com forward slash prudy. That's slate.com forward slash P-R-U-D-I-E. The Dear Prudence column publishes every Thursday. If you'd like to hear your question answered on the podcast, we are looking for letter writers who would be comfortable recording their questions for the show. You can stay anonymous. Dear Prudence is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks with a special thanks to Maura Curry. Editorial help from Paola de Verona. Daisy Rosario is senior supervising producer and Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of audio. I'm your Dear Prudence, Janae Desmond-Harris. Until next time.